The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host, Thomas Umstadt Jr. It's very common these days for books, especially nonfiction books, to come with additional workbooks, study guides, video courses, and more. These extra modules are a great way to connect with your readers on a deeper level, and at the same time, they can create additional income for you as the author. Paper and digital don't need to be at war. They can work together, and they can help people and minister to people in different ways. People need a book for some things, and they need videos for other things. But how do you create a workbook, a companion, or a study guide for your book? And how do you create the right kind of content? How do you decide what to even create all of these questions and more we're going to discuss on this episode of the christian publishing show and we have a very special guest to help us navigate these waters of companion products she's the best-selling author of over 40 books and she has taught thousands of authors and entrepreneurs how to transform their knowledge into books workbooks products and online courses devora lansky welcome to the christian publishing show Thank you so much, Thomas. It is wonderful to be here. So what are the benefits of having a workbook companion for your book? Several things. One is you increase your visibility and your credibility and you help your readers. Because we all have books in every room of our house, they're going to go through the book in more depth if they have a companion guide that they have to keep referring back to the book. So that's one thing. It will help them retain the knowledge because you're going to be pointing out the key things that you feel readers should walk away with. So they're going to benefit more. You're going to help more people and you're going to make more money because the more books that you have that feed your target audience, the more book sales you'll have and then you'll grow your book sales exponentially. It's really the difference between knowledge and education. It's one thing for the information to be in your head. And I'm sure everyone has experienced this. You read a book and you kind of nod and you're like, I agree with this. But reading the book and nodding and agreeing with it is very different than putting the book or the the teachings of the book into practice. And that's where education comes in. And that can be in the form of an interactive workbook, but it can also be in the form of actually interacting with the teacher who holds you accountable. There's some really real value in that accountability and that interactivity. It's not just about the knowledge. And what I love about workbooks is they help with that application. They they connect the heart and the head, but more importantly, uh, for a lot of topics, they connect the head with the hands, right? It doesn't matter if you know how to work out, you have to actually work out. And a checklist or workbook where you can say, hey, I've worked out, you know, six times this week uh, is very beneficial. There's also uh, science uh, where they've done research and they find that people retain more when they have to actually write it down. If it's just a passing thought or people are skimming a book and reading and thinking about other things, they're only retaining a certain percentage of the knowledge. But if they have to then regurgitate it, if you will, and put it into writing where they're taking their hand and they're actually writing it, they're going to retain a lot more. That's right. Now, for a lot of authors, they're like, well, why don't I just put this in my book? Why don't I have some blank pages at the end or put some you know, discussion questions in the appendix? And sometimes that's the right decision. So how do you navigate the put it in the book versus pull it out and put it into the workbook uh, question? Well, the way I've approached that, Thomas, is I guess with my teaching background, I always feel that they're getting ways for people to apply what they learn is something I always strive for. And so uh, not only do I have 
workbooks that go along with my courses. I have journals that go along with the workbooks because people are inundated with so much coming at them, so many things vying for their attention. So what I found with the workbook is it, again, encourages them to take action and apply what they learn. And then when there's a companion journal to go along with it, there's even more accountability built in because, oh, I don't want to miss a day. I want to let, I want to write down what did I study today and what did I take away and what would I do differently? And so they're, they're actually creating a path for themselves to attain a certain level of knowledge on the topic of the book. And an artifact, right? They now have this journal with their own handwriting in it, right? It's really hard to throw away or give away something with your own handwriting in it. And it allows them to go back and look at the points that really jumped out at them, which is really beneficial. So we talked about um, when to put it in the book, when not to put it in the books. I feel like there's a time to put it in the book, especially if it's really minor and the more in-depth it is to to pull it out. Uh, But what about when to charge and when to give it away for free? Because I see a lot of authors doing both, right? One school of thought is put together an amazing workbook and it's a companion that you give to people in exchange for their email address. And that allows you to email them about the next book and allows you to really grow your email list really quickly. And the other school is like, no, this is your opportunity to make money directly from your readers without Amazon taking 80% of the money or your publisher taking 90% of the money if they buy it directly from you. If they buy a $10 workbook from you, you get to keep eight of those dollars, nine of those dollars, um, seven if they're shipping. Uh, but it, the, the margins are really good. So uh, when do you know when to use it to grow, grow your email list and when to use it to you know feed your family? I'm getting chills on this one. Okay. So... I always look at how can the reader best be served. And I believe the reader can best be served by having a workbook. The reality is such a small number of people will go and opt in to get something free that let's say 10,000 people buy your book. And the way people read, let's say even half of those get to the last page. The percentage of people that are going to go to your website site, let's say it's 500, maybe you're going to have 20 opt-in. Wouldn't you rather have so many more people benefit from your knowledge by selling them a book? You can still offer something for free, maybe a checklist that highlights the key points of the book or highlights a key component of the book or the workbook. But I think that you can help more people by selling the book because more people will see it. Very few people will opt in. For our listeners, think about how many books have you read that have go here at, at you know and get this free gift at the end of the book. How many of you actually gone to subscribe for? Probably not very many. Or how many free things have you downloaded and then never read? <laughs> never read. They're just gathering dust on your hard drive, right? Right. Where your money is, there your treasure is also. And sometimes people need to pay a little bit of money to convince themselves to take action and to go through the workbook. And and what's nice about this is that let's say you've written a book on, and you can have a free checklist or check, um, you know, free companion, and then you can have a more substantive companion, and then you can add even more and more substantive companions until it's you know one on one coaching. You know, you, let's say you're helping authors with or readers with weight loss, right? So you have the book on weight loss, you have the checklist on weight loss, and you have a, you know a video course or a workbook on weight loss. But maybe they're needing personal coaching and advice <laughs> on on weight loss, and that that would cost more money because it requires more effort on um, your 
side and what you're describing or what we're describing is what we call the funnel, right? Lots of people get the free thing at the bottom and then each step down the funnel, there's fewer and fewer people, but it allows you to serve each reader at the level they want to be served, right? Some people just want the book and they can just buy the book for $15 and other people are wanting a lot of handholding and they're willing to pay for it. And it also allows the author to make a living as an author because if an author was to depend on making a living off of the proceeds of a book where most authors on a $15 book will make between 2 and $7 at most. If they're indie published and between 80 cents and a dollar per book if they're traditionally published. Right. And they have to wait for six months and X amount of money to accrue. But if you have that funnel, you can build a whole six-figure income on one $15 book. And off a smaller number of authors, so or sorry, a smaller number of readers. The, you don't need as many followers to um, support your living as a writer the more things you offer them, right? If you're only making a dollar per reader uh, and you need, let's say, $50,000 a year to live on, then that means every year you need to go out and find 50,000 new readers. That's a lot of readers to find, right? That, um, and now some authors for finding 100,000 readers every year or 500,000 readers, right? So there's some authors who are traditionally published and their strategy is to write the kind of book that appeals to lots and lots of people and the money gets really good <laughs> if you can reach a lot of folks. But what if you only have 5,000 readers or let's say you only have 1,000 readers? Well, a dollar per reader at $1,000, that's not going to cover rent. <laughs> that's not going to cover your grocery bill. Uh, but if you have a $100 product, for those thousand readers, well, now it's a hundred thousand dollars, and it does um, satisfy your needs as an author, and and so that's what we're talking about. It's about um, creating more kind of valuable products for those readers that really do help them. So let's talk about that because you can't just throw some words on a checklist and sell it for a hundred dollars. This has to benefit somebody uh, in such a way where they don't just read it, but they were like, Oh my gosh, you don't, can't just buy the book. You have to also buy the workbook because that's where the real value is. So walk me through your thinking when you're putting together a workbook on how to make it as valuable as possible. So one of the things that I think about as an author is how can I help more people and how can I do that if I'm scrambling to put food on the table? So when you have people that you're selling your book to, you're selling your workbook to, you're selling your courses to, and then you're working with them in group coaching or private coaching, it allows you to help more people. And when people come to you and tell you their stories about how your book changed their life, it will change your life because it will no longer be about the money. The money will be the blessing that comes from you living your work and you living your dream and your truth and what you are put here to do. So that's where I come from when encouraging people to write a book and write a workbook that, to go along with their book. So to get to your question, what I like to do is go through the book one section at a time. And first of all, I'm a big pen and paper person. So I'll take a piece of paper and let's say there's 12 chapters. I'll divide the paper into 12 squares and I'll give each square, I'll write down the title of the chapter in, you know, one in each square. And then what I'll do is I'll just think about the chapter before I even start going through it. I will think about it and I'll say, okay, what are the top three to five key points in this chapter? And I'll start to jot those down. And I do that for each chapter. 
Well, now you have 60 workbook pages because each one of those points can be a workbook page. It could be as simple as that. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be, you can go through the whole process in a matter of weeks. So you look at what are the key points? What are the key takeaways? Some people will create a workbook for each chapter because you may say, I don't have three things for this chapter. There are really 30 things from this chapter. That means you have 10 chapters, 30 things. You have enough content to create a new workbook every month for a year. So you need to look at what is it you're wanting people to walk away with? What are the key points? And how can you bring it to life painlessly for yourself? So the first way I described it with just coming up with three points makes it very painless and very easy. And I recommend people start with that. You may go deeper at some point, but when you see how easy it is to create those workbook, those worksheets or checklists for those key three points for each chapter, then it can propel you. Because a really important thing to point out here is that people who buy workbooks and kind of these add-on higher ticket items, they're not paying for the thud. So when somebody pays for a book, how much they pay for the book is directly proportional to how loud that book is when it thuds on the table. (laughs) So the bigger the thud, the more (laughs) and higher the price, right? If you're buying a 400-page book and it goes boom, you're expecting to pay a lot of money for that. And if you're paying for a $50 workbook and it kind of goes flip, then they're not going to pay very much for that. That is not how people think about these workbooks. What they're paying for in the workbook is the transformation. They, they want that outcome, that result that you're promising in your book and in the workbook. And it's really easy, and a common mistake I see a lot of authors make is that they think that they need to put a lot of thud in the workbook. And what they end up doing is overwhelming the reader with one million questions and one million activities because they're like, i got to provide value. It's like, that's not actually valuable. Right? You don't want to give somebody the diamond field and the diamonds, right? You want to get with the dirt and the diamonds all mixed together. You want to give them just the diamonds. And so it's about focusing on the most transformational elements, the most transformational questions and what is most important rather than what are the 100 questions I can come up with this chapter? Because uh, that will often scare people away or keep them from finishing the workbook, which will keep them from recommending the workbook. That's a really good point. I I like to think in 30-day chunks. So a lot of my books are called 30-day this or 30-day that, you know, for my niche. And what I find is that becomes a manageable chunk of time. It also leads the author to more products because that led me to then 60-day products and 90-day products. So the 30-day products, it's it's like you said, you don't want the page to be all crowded with lots of questions. It's better to have three questions on a page with room to write. And then look at this. The left-hand side can be the questions where there's room to write, but the right-hand side can be a simple journal page where you can put a journal prompt on the topic. You've just doubled the size of your book and added a lot of value. It's not just a blank journal page. It's a specific journal prompt based on the previous page. That adds a lot of value too. Exactly. And one thing we should talk about is whether or not you legally even can put together a workbook companion for your book. And this is one of the reasons why it's really important if you're traditionally published to have a literary agent. You want to talk with your literary agent about your plans for a workbook. Because here's what can happen. Uh, When you sell the rights to your book to a publisher, there's this concept called subsidiary rights, which are copyrighted works that are, or derivative rights rather, which are derived from the original book, right? So you have your seven habits of highly effective people book, and then you have your seven habits of highly effective people workbook, right? Just to pick up book title 
out of um, the top of my head. And that workbook is a derivative of the original book. And this is one of those things that's negotiable. Some publishers are like, we would love to also publish the workbook. In fact, we insist upon it. <laughs> We're going to publish the workbook and we'll do it at our quality levels and we'll have an, a royalty arrangement that's kind of in line with the original book. Other publishers will allow you to retain the derivative rights and other publishers keep them but then don't let you do your own and don't do it themselves. And that is what you want to avoid where you can't and you're not allowed to. And that's where you're really stuck. And um, where I see this a lot back in the day was with audiobooks because that's another derivative uh, copyrighted work. An author writes a book, the publisher publishes it, the publisher has the rights to do the audiobook, the publisher doesn't do the audiobook and then doesn't allow the author to do the audiobook because they're wanting to protect their own reputation, but they're also not willing to spend, which I think is just awful. So make sure you talk with your literary agent if you plan to do a workbook and navigate this and decide which way you're going to go. Are you going to fight to maintain those derivative rights for yourself? Or are you going to uh, insist that the publisher do something with them? Or sometimes what agents will do is the publisher's got six months to do it themselves, but if they don't, then the rights revert. So there's a lot of ways you can negotiate this. And don't feel like that contract that the publisher gives you is the law and you know it, that you can't negotiate because everything is negotiable. I think a lot of authors get tripped up with that. They think, oh, this is written in stone. But when you go through it, read it yourself with a fine-tooth comb and you know, pull out questions that you have and things that you want to negotiate so that you can retain those rights. Or I like what you were saying, that if they want them, they can, they have X amount of time to put them in play or they revert to the author. That's brilliant. So let's get really practical here as we're uh, get coming to the end. So we've talked big picture about why workbooks are beneficial for authors, why they're beneficial for readers and some of the legalities. Now somebody is like, okay, I want to create a workbook. Where do I get started? Do I do it in Microsoft Word? Do I do it in Scrivener? Like, let's get to the brass tacks. What do you create or where do you start creating a workbook in? Well, I love Microsoft products, but sorry, Microsoft. I would not recommend creating a book in Microsoft unless you're creating a Kindle book. Kindle books, the best place to create them is in Microsoft Word. For books that are going into print, personally, I like Adobe InDesign. It's book publishing software. I've used Canva, I've used PowerPoint, and I've used Word in that order. Are you a PC user, just out of curiosity? I'm a, I'm a Mac user. Okay, so have you tried Vellum? I haven't. I haven't tried Vellum. Vellum is a special software for doing typesetting, specifically for the Mac, and it is amazing. Really? Thank you. Yeah. It, um, it's not as powerful as InDesign, so if you're doing lots of... Uh, where InDesign becomes more useful is when you're doing lots of different visual elements and you're, the text is wrapping, it's really complicated. Um, but for a regular book, Vellum is just amazing and authors swear by it. I will check that out. Thank you for that gift. <laughs> there are, uh, there's another uh, app that I've heard some really good things about. I have not tried it myself, but I believe it's called Affinity. It's a direct competitor to InDesign. It's Affinity, A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y. And it's, a, it's like a a mirror of Adobe products. So they have the equivalent of Illustrator, the equivalent of InDesign, and the equivalent of Photoshop. The difference is what you pay monthly for the Adobe products, you pay one time for lifetime access, $50 for lifetime access, and they have sales all the time. And they have a wonderful community. It's not as robust, and the icons in the software are really small to see, 
But once you learn your way around, there's a lot of videos, there's courses there. It's really powerful. Sometimes I will use that instead of an Adobe product because the Adobe products take so long to open. <laughs> and the Affinity products, they're all award-winning. You buy them right in the App Store. You only have to pay for them once. So this is not a recommendation for me on Affinity products, but I have just recently been hearing a lot of really good things about Affinity products. And it might be worth it to pay the $50 to get Affinity Publisher just to see because it's way better to pay one time for Affinity than to pay for InDesign every month for the rest of your life. That gets really expensive and can really um, pull back against your profitability of your courses uh, or of your products that you're creating if, if you're having to maintain an Adobe subscription. One of the things about Affinity is where with InDesign, you can plug in the spine um, dimensions and it will actually configure your document for you. That doesn't happen in Affinity products. So you have to calculate that in. So as long as you know that and your first book, you might need to do a little juggling to figure out exactly the right proportions. But once you have that in place, it can work fine. But it's not a built-in feature. So let's talk about that a little bit. You're talking about print, making print workbooks. And when you're selling workbooks and these kind of add-on products, how do you navigate the when to do it in print, when to do it in ebook? Because I imagine ebook workbooks aren't really that helpful. People want to be able to interact with it. So how do you decide when to create something digital and when to create something uh, in physical form? I tend to do three ways. One is I most of my books are companions to online courses. I usually create the workbooks and the journals and the courses side by side, one module at a time, one chapter at a time. And then I will sell it on Amazon. And as long as I'm not selling it on Kindle, because if you sell it on Kindle, you have specific rules of where you're allowed to post things. So we're talking about books that you can print out or books that you can hold in your hand. So you're talking about Amazon KDP print, physical books sold through Amazon, where there's much more freedom than with KDP for Kindle. Exactly. I also sell them on Etsy. And I had a lot of products in my Etsy shop for the first year, but 98% of the sales came from one workbook. It was a 30-page workbook where I offered that one product was all 30 pages, and there was five different chapters. So then I divided it into five additional products, each with six pages. And that's that's the main seller in my Etsy shop for an entire first year of my Etsy shop. And that led to people joining my courses, buying my books on Amazon, because once people buy the book that they can print out, they often will then still go over and buy it on Amazon because they like it that it's bound. So if somebody is like, I really like this idea, but I need help putting together a workbook. I want the workbook to be the same quality as the other books that I'm putting out. But all of that talk about affinity and, and you know measuring the width of the spine spooked me. <laughs> so uh, where, where can people go if they're wanting help putting together companion products for their books? Hmm. Well, again, you want to check with your publisher to make sure you have the rights to do that. Um, there are people who teach that. There are people who offer those services, getting recommendations from, from friends of who did their workbook. Um, I found that with our community, I actually wrote a workbook on how to, it was a joke. I was on a call with someone who said, you should write a workbook on how to write a workbook. And I'm like, <laughs> take that to the bank. Within a year, that turned into six figures, that one idea. 
And so I have an actual workbook that walks people through the process, including the publishing. So if you're a do-it-yourself kind of person or you have a team that can take that knowledge and plug it in place, having a guide like that can help as far as a lot of people offer that as a service, but it's a kind of a big ticket item and a big, uh, a big price tag. It's often cheaper to get training on how to do it yourself than it is to... I think so, because then once you learn it the first time, you'll be able to replicate it and you'll be able to then go and do that again in the future or have your team be able to go alongside you and study what you're studying. And so you'll be able to create additional books moving forward. It's not that hard. It's intimidating, though. I was really daunted for 10 years I wanted to write a book. But once I figured out that it really is pretty straightforward and it's just like writing an essay, it's just learning a few key technology components, then it, it just became smooth selling. And it's just so like writing books for me, it feels like what some people feel like when they eat chocolate. It's just like makes me so happy. <laughs> so, <it's, laughs> And we'll have a link to that workbook on how to create a workbook in the show notes if any of you want to check out that. Yo, dog, I heard you like workbooks, so I made a workbook on how to make workbooks. So you can workbook while you workbook. Uh, Devorah, where can <laughs> our listeners find out more about you? Well, I have a website called shareyourbrilliance.com. It's a community of authors and content creators, really warm-hearted, kind people who are thirsty learners and like to find ways to share their brilliance with the world. And so I welcome you all to stop by. And we'll have a link to that as well. And uh, Devorah, any final tips or encouragement? Um, I do have a, I have a gift page, if, if that would be helpful, in it, which it has worksheet pages that people can get ideas for worksheets. Yeah, we'll put a link to that gift. These are free, free downloads. They just yeah. go there. Yeah, so we'll put a link to that gift page in the show notes. And I want to give you an encouragement to give this a shot. And, and even for fiction, sometimes there are workbook companions. For fiction, it's more common to make it free. We have like a free study guide because the hope is to get people sharing your fiction. But if your fiction is teaching something, um, there may be a desire for a more traditional presentation of that lesson that you're teaching through the fiction. And people may discover, you know, your book really goes into the theme of forgiveness and you create a course on forgiveness that teaches it in a more direct way. That can be a really powerful comparison. But definitely if you're writing nonfiction, you've got to think about these uh, extended products because it's not just a way where you can better provide for your family. It's also a way where you can better bless your students. Don't think that the book is the end-all There are things before the book, like blogs and articles that can help people. And there are things after the book, like courses and workbooks and journals that can help people. And so you want to help your readers from start to finish. May I share one final thought? Yeah. And that really helped me because sometimes as authors, we think, oh, it's egotistical to promote our books. No one's going to buy it. Who's, who's, how am I going to do this? Well, I'm going to encourage you to stop and take a breath and think about how your book can help others. And when you put it in in that perspective of helping others, then it becomes the gift that you give the world and it doesn't feel egotistical and it's full full steam ahead for you. So that would be my my words of wisdom. (laughs) Well said. I couldn't couldn't agree more. And your book has to actually help others. You've got to believe in your book (laughs) and it's got to deliver. If your book makes people sad, uh, maybe you shouldn't be (laughs) promoting the book uh, unless it's making them sad for a purpose. I have an exciting announcement. As you know, the Christian Publishing Show is sponsored by Steve Lobby and the Christian Writers Institute. 
And every February, the CWI does a big giveaway. And this year is no exception. In fact, the giveaway this year is free lifetime access to all of the CWI courses. Every single course that the CWI has, from craft to getting published to marketing and more, all of the courses free for both fiction and nonfiction. And this is sponsored by New York Times bestselling author Cease Murphy. He's graciously created the Cease Murphy Scholarship Fund to help sponsor a student uh, to give him or her lifetime access to over 100 courses. So if you would like to enter to win, uh, to get uh, a chance to win, you can find the info at the show notes at Christian publishingshow.com you get entered to win all you have to do is sign up and if you tell your friends about the giveaway you get even more entries so to find out more go to christianpublishingshow.com and select episode 097 or just scroll down in your app and depending on what app you're using you may have a link to join the show down below and devora lansky thank you so much for joining us today on the christian publishing show Thank you, Thomas. It was a delight to be here. Thank you for listening to The Christian Publishing Show. For more information and to get episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit christianpublishingshow.com.